0: i'm all about the why it's you know always um like planning what you're doing even whether it's for the day the week or your life um trying to understand why and just going for that and that's how i um i i try to focus my patient education on why also um that's a really common question i ask my patients actually like do you know why you got that cavity (laughs) it's amazing how few people actually know why but when you start to to pick apart why um, you learn so much from it and it helps. Um, yeah, it helps whatever it is you're doing. It helps motivate your patient. It helps you schedule your week. It helps you feel good about what you're doing. It helps you um, set your goals.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Loops Are Up Here. I am Dr. Priyanka Patel. And here today, along with my co-host Dr. Shivani Komodia, we have Dr. Crystal Koo. The she is a practice owner in the Bay Area as well as one of the co-founders of Cocoa Floss. Welcome, Crystal. Hi, Shivani. Hi, Priyanka. Thanks for having Hi. me. Yay! We're so excited. You know, um, our podcast kind of just delves into you know not only just dentistry but really just life outside of dentistry and when I, when we were kind of thinking about who to bring on, you just, you know, who you are and what you've done so far in your career has been just amazing. And, you know, I want to really kind of get into, we both want to get into, you know, one, how you became a practice owner, how Coco Floss came about and just like how you're doing all of that along with being a mom. You know, I think it's just (laughs) so amazing. You're wearing all these hats and it's, it's possible, you know, it's possible to kind of quote unquote, do it all, but you know, how, how are you doing it? (laughs) Um,
0: Sure. Well, I mean, in truth, I think a lot of us as dentists, we're all wearing a lot of hats. Um, And I think that's just um, the nature of what we do. Um, But I guess to start um, as a dentist, I, well, I kind of had it a little bit, I had like a little in because my mom is a dentist. So she's a practice owner herself, a general dentist. And after two years of of associating with another doctor, you know, completely unrelated to me, I um, had the opportunity to build my own practice out of a chair that my mom was not using in her practice. So she had like an unusually small practice of that only had two treatment rooms. And she only used one for the entirety of her career, which again is super unusual. Right. Um, And uh, so then when I got tired of working with the other doctor uh, from whom I learned a ton, but I I decided I wanted to do my own thing. So I I took this chair that was literally just collecting dust in my mom's practice. And I built my practice from scratch out of that chair. And soon enough, of course, you know, we outgrew that space and I had to cut my mom's hours back. Uh, I ended up taking both chairs and then I ended up, I got to a point where I ended up hiring two hygienists to work with me. And there were days when I would be in our two operatory practice And I wouldn't have a chair to work out of. So I had two hygiene going, and I was in the back and um, just actually working on other things and then coming in for hygiene checks. And um, of course, that wasn't sustainable. So I eventually did have to buy another practice um, to move into a larger practice. It was a four operatory practice, and I kind of upgraded it to a five operatory practice. It's really tight. But um, yeah, so now I am my own practice owner, and now I have my mom working with me. So I kind of had an unusual advantage because I was able to build a practice from scratch out of the empty chair that my mom wasn't using. Is that
1: practice, the one that you were with your mom, close to uh, where um, your current one is? Like, were yeah. you able to like, was it easy enough for your patients to kind of follow you over there?
0: Yeah, it was, it's so close. It's actually one block away. And it's funny cause the, the operatory that I work out of now, from that operatory, um, the view from that operatory is a view of the old office. <laughs> so it's not far away at all. Um, yeah. And it just worked out. It had to work out the way it did. We actually lost our lease in that old that old office. Um, the land landlord just wanted to, had different plans for the building. He kicked the whole building out. And so I was, it actually got to this point. It was really scary because I almost didn't have a practice. There was actually a good month where I didn't have a practice at all. And it was really scary. We had patients coming and knocking on the door saying, uh, is my dentist still in here? Um, but we were forced out and we didn't have a place. So I was referring that month, um, to like the local endodontist oral surgeon. And then, um, I was, you know, hustling my contractor at the new practice to hurry up and finish it so that we could start working. And when we did start working in the new, the new office, um, I mean, there were, when we started, we, literally only had one operatory because they weren't done building the other four Um, and building I meant like kind of like reconstructing it it was it was just a really old practice it was built like in the early 90s so I had to redo everything before moving everything in. so it was nerve-wracking definitely Um, but also an adventure it's um, yeah great to be on the other side of it because now we have this new office that we're really proud of and it you know makes us all happy to work there
1: that's great. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's one of those things. Like you said, you're on the other side of it now. I'm sure when you were going through it, it yeah. was stressful um, just to, I don't know, not have anywhere to really send these patients, and you knew you have you had these plans, but then you have this time period of where you're not sure. How do you reassure these patients that, you know, hey, <laughs> I'm still here. I'm coming back. You know, right? And, um, especially because you spend so much energy building.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah there were moments where i i kind of had i was so fearful of not having practice i i started to wonder okay what would it be like to just sell the practice without a space it's like and i guess that's a thing by the way you can sell you can sell your charts even though you don't have a space um but i I wouldn't have known that if i wasn't in that situation and of course i'm so glad i didn't have to do that but yeah it was definitely nerve-wracking and of course construction always takes longer than you think it will my contractors you know they were doing amazing things and they, I think they finished the whole construction in 42 days, which is really fast, but it wasn't, you know, of course, like we could have used any day that we could have taken from, you know, like the moment that they said that they were done with an operatory, we went right in.
1: Would you say that was your biggest challenge kind of with that you've experienced so far with practice ownership? Definitely one of
0: them. Um, when you ask me that question, though, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is how hard it is to find staff these days. Personally, that, that at least in the San Francisco Bay Area, I have a really hard time finding staff. I don't know if there are too many dentists in California, or maybe not enough interest in, um, you know, dental assisting, dental auxiliary work.
1: But that's my biggest challenge, I think, recruiting. <laughs> um- what do you, is it that you find that there's just not enough or is that the who you're finding isn't um, fitting your practice, kind of the mission of the practice?
0: I think it's the former. There's just not, there's just not enough people interested in dental assisting, specifically dental assisting. And, and now I think a little bit of dental hygiene too. Something about the San Francisco Bay Area. I think that, you know, living here, we're super blessed with Um, tons of opportunity around us. There's such interesting work to do. You know, there's startups, there's the whole technology industry. Um, Of course, there's like a lot of biotech. So a lot of these people who, you know, in other towns might be interested in dental dentistry. um, I think they're just finding other work in the Bay Area. So it's really hard to find staff. Like it's pretty routine for me, like um, to like interview a front desk or office manager, and then we're an assistant. And you know, I'll give them an offer and they say, okay, I'm starting in two weeks. And then before they even have their first day with me, they're like, oh, I already found another offer. I'm working, you know, at so-and-so startup or so-and-so other thing, not even related to dentistry. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's just, it might be just unique to the San Francisco Bay area, but that's my biggest struggle.
2: Yeah. That's so interesting. And I love, I love how you explained your unique path to becoming a practice owner. And I think that's such a it seems actually really logical to start small and build up without having a huge overhead and without having, you know, the stress of trying to to fill a completely empty schedule with five chairs. And so I love that idea of starting small and it seems much more manageable. I mean, if I were to think about starting a practice and I'm an associate, mm-hmm. um that just seems like such a daunting daunting endeavor and I don't know if it's something I'm ever going to be ready for, but when you say just one chair and you're just focusing on one patient at a time. You're not focusing on all of the business aspects and, you know, juggling so much that seems like a really natural, easy start. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that that will click with. So I'm glad you shared that. That's a really interesting outlook to starting a practice. Yeah. When I was,
1: um, uh, to bounce off of that, when I was looking before I bought this practice, you know, I actually, Shivani, it's interesting. You brought that up one of the opportunities actually was just a good share practice. And I was like, oh, well, that's not really long-term, you know, so I'm not going to take that on. And I took on a, a larger practice. It's now, it's five operatories, but when I bought it, it, it was well worth it in terms of the cost. So that's why it made sense. But I I think, Shabani, that's a really interesting point on kind of how you handle it because you can always move. Yeah, You know, I feel that sometimes you know you're like, okay, well I have to th- if I'm going to think now about owning that it means that this is exactly where I need to be in 15 years or this is exactly how it needs to look in 15 and 20 years. And that's not the case you know especially with us being so type A a lot of the times, um, I think I tend to gravitate towards rigidity you know mm-hmm. and be like, okay, this is how it is and I've set myself up this way. But in reality, what you've done is you created this very fluid you know progression from in your career. And you're, you were, you were able to grow, you know, even though you started in one operatory and you had to remember that just because you started in one practice or you started in one place in your life in general, it doesn't mean that that's where you'll always be.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what, if I, if we didn't lose our lease when we did, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure when we would have moved. I knew, I knew of course that two operatories wasn't going to work in the long run, but it was really hard finding a place. But I think the fact that we lost our lease, it made it imperative to go find another practice. So, um, you know, life surprises you and things just happen for a reason. And so, yeah, here we are with the new practice. I would have never thought that it would have happened, but here we are. Um, yeah, it also helped, I think, working, you know, I worked as an associate with, again, a doctor who I wasn't related to for at least two years. Um, so that also kind of do risked everything because I was earning, you know, my associate income. And then I just kind of started easing into, Having my own patients out of that empty chair my mom had, um, so it was it was actually great, you know, and you know there was no pressure. It was it was awesome because I would start like just by seeing you know my friends, and then my friends of friends, and I would be able to schedule in you know time to work out. I could go to the gym in the middle of the day, <laughs> and then um, soon enough, you know, those friends of friends turned into Yelp reviews, which turned into referrals, and all of a sudden my schedule was super busy yeah, starting small.
2: That's such an organic growth. And man, that appeals to me so much. That sounds like the perfect job to just (laughs) have one patient at a time, focus on one thing. I think that's one of my pain points with dentistry is the constant multitasking Mm -hmm. of, of, and you know, I wear, we wear headsets in my practice. And so I always have someone in my ear ready for a hygiene check. This Doctors on the phone has a question for you. The lab is ready for a pickup, like all of these different things. And so that is definitely, um, your energy is pulled in so many directions. And Mm -hmm. so to have, and and one thing I love about dentistry is kind of like the meditative aspect of when I sit down and I start working on a tooth, it's like Mm -hmm. everything else just kind of falls into the background. And I love that feeling. And so to have the appeal that really appeals to me is that, that one chair, build your own schedule and just the organic growth of seeing your pa- your friends who become friends of friends and whatnot I love that yeah
0: and
2: I, I love the um the story with your mom too how you worked for her and now she works for you yeah <laughs> that's great and what is it like working with um with a family member both my dad and my sister are dentists and I've never worked with them so I'm oh, curious. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um... Well, I think I mean definitely in the beginning there was a little bit of um we felt like we were stepping on each each other's toes because we weren't accustomed to working together at the time. I remember when I first um oh yeah, when I first started working at my mom's practice. She took her first vacation in like who knows how long, like a real vacation. Usually, you know, as a dentist it's really hard to take off more than like a week or two. Um she went and took off like, you know, a few weeks to go to Europe with my dad and my sister and they went without me and I during that time, I um, I got rid of her entire X-ray system <laughs> because she was still doing film X-rays and you know manually processing them in that really noisy chemically machine, and um, I just got rid of all the chemicals and the films, and um, she came back to the digital X-ray system and she completely freaked out. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so, so I think uh, because she's my mom, I took the liberty of just like making those decisions for her, like, sorry, we're not going back to traditional x-rays. Um but I, and of course, like if that was another doctor, I don't think I'd be able to do that. So there were times when she was like furious with me, but I think now, you know, of course, it's been many years now, and she's learned to trust me. and together, you know, we both know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are, and we both learn from each other constantly. So it's actually really fun working together. And now actually, you know, when we're hanging out in the non-dental setting or if we're at home with our family, it's it's almost impossible for us to not talk teeth. And (laughs) I feel badly for those around us because um, we actually just, you know, we just love what we do and it's so much fun and we
1: just can't help but um, talk about it outside of work. (laughs) What do you feel like coming in and having your mom as the initial business owner of it? What were some of the, you know, the things that you learned from her that you that you really took home and that has made you, you know, this is, this is something that you are, um, allowing for this flexibility, things like that. Is that something that she was like, uh, or, you know, I guess, what did you learn from her or what have you learned? from her?
0: Well, I guess, um, the way my mom practiced, you know, made it easy for me to start small. Um, because again, she didn't, she worked out of one operatory her whole career. In fact, she had, a woman who is working for her, both doing front desk and assisting. So super lean, like as lean as it, as they come, right? So when I started, I was like, okay, you know, I could do this, I could practice by myself. So I didn't even have an assistant when I started. And of course I didn't even have a hygienist. Um, and that's that's really different from you know most practices. So I think that allowed me to see myself just starting that way. It made it a lot easier. Um, I also learned from her, you know, it's totally okay to just like it's, it's good and okay to decide what you want to do, what you like to do, and just focus on that. And whatever you don't want to do, no one has to force you to do it. And by all means, go ahead and refer it out. <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, you find yourself like trying to bend over backwards, doing favors for people who insist that you do certain procedures for them. And then you end up, um, you know, sometimes that gets you into trouble. So I like that my mom, you know, it was pretty clear my mom knew, what she liked to do, what she was good at and the things that she didn't want to do. And um, she kind of, you know, that was her practice. And and now she and I you know we do different things but I know what I like to do and I don't feel badly about like
1: not wanting to do endo for example, that's totally okay with us. <laughs> do you feel like having that openness with her um, and establishing yourself in that environment has actually offered you the opportunity to build cocoa Floss because you got to do what you wanted to do and then didn't want you, you know, like because you were in an environment that was really. Nurturing. Nice. Yeah, exactly, very nurturing. Thank you, that's the right word, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, definitely that. And also, I mean, the whole fact that our office was so small. So, you know, you can imagine me working there with two hygienists in the two chairs. So what am I gonna do in the background? <laughs> um, so it actually did give me time to work on cocoa floss. Um, also starting small, I realized that was a really big factor in my thinking about cocoa floss because I was doing all my own hygiene at first. So my practice, you know, my practice of like seeing maybe one patient a day, you know, soon enough turned into, I was doing hygiene every day. And then I got so busy with the hygiene. I had to hire, at first I hired an RDA she, and we would, you know, use two chairs and, but my whole day would still just be hygiene. I, I had enough patients. I had developed enough patients i'd be doing hygiene by myself but with a dental assistant and working out of two chairs and i was like this is ridiculous like i'm just you know talking to people about flossing all day because you know here i am like telling them your gums are bleeding oh no you have a cavity here um your plaque is here and uh you need to be flossing and obviously they weren't so that's kind of when i started to feel like a real broken record record because i was doing my own hygiene and I also got to the point where, um, you know, trying to fill in like an hour for like a crown procedure, for example, was getting to be really challenging. Cause my schedule was so full or even just like, you know, let's say they had to do a filling. It's like, you know what? I think this filling can wait in six months and we'll do your filling in six months at your next week care visit. Um, which in most cases sounds ridiculous because, you know, usually if you have to get a filling then just, just do it now. But, um, my schedule was so full. So I think that it was, you know, this this type practice really, it was almost like a pressure cooker. And it really forced me to think outside the box, literally. Um, so I, I, you know, here I was telling people like, you have gum disease, you have cavities. And honestly, like, I don't know if I have time to treat you. So you need to start taking care of yourself and you need to start flossing. And so that's kind of how I became obsessed with the floss problem
2: so interesting. So can you talk more about, yeah, how did you, the idea of Cocoa Floss come to fruition where, I mean, this is just such a new concept to me as a dentist becoming an inventor and a a business owner. So yeah, talk us through that.
0: So yeah, so I guess, you know, just, I want to say it was maybe four years into practice, I became, I literally became obsessed with this problem because- you know, I felt like a broken record. I was telling people all the same things. You know, the majority of our patients, they have some level of gum disease and, and people for whatever reason, um, you know, it's for example, bleeding gums is quite common and everybody seems to think that's normal. Right. Or, um, even cavities, people think it's normal to have cavities, but the truth is if you have cavities or your gums are bleeding, like there's something wrong. Um, but our culture, it doesn't really see that. So I guess, I just wanted to be able to help people in a way um, that doesn't doesn't necessarily involve having to drill on their teeth. Of course, like there's always going to be a need for that. You know, we're going to help people when they need us. But um, I feel like the most impactful, you know, thing that we can do for our patients is to educate them on like how and why they've developed gum disease or tooth decay, because that knowledge or information that they um, receipt from us is going to, you know, hopefully carry forward to their lifestyle and their habits and, and then, and also their families, it'll extend beyond them. So, and the education part of it is so big for me. So I spent all this time educating my patients about flossing and they weren't doing it. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, all this effort, why is it? And then I started to realize, well, floss as it was, was pretty mediocre. You know, I didn't even have a favorite floss, um, typical floss is thin, slippery, and flat. And, you know, the goal of flossing, you know, aside from, of course, like dislodging like particles of food, we want it to remove bacterial biofilm, break it up and remove it ideally. And I couldn't find a floss that did that. So I realized like, you know, like how can I tell my patients to floss or, you know, how can I explain to them how important flossing is if I can't show them that it's working? And so that's when I realized like, okay, there's a huge problem here. We want people to floss, but we can't even, we don't even have a floss that works.
2: So you were really clear on first what you were passionate about, about education and prevention, and Mm -hmm. then you isolated what the problem was, is that the perfect product didn't exist. And then how did you take that next step into creation? How did you logistically you know figure out like find a manufacturer how did you develop a prototype all of those things are i'm so curious about that
0: yeah that was actually the hardest part so it was a couple years from the time that i first started started the like thought of the idea until i was able to actually get things off the ground Um, it was hard because dentistry is just so busy and you know there's just so much that we do and my, you know, my, my wife and my brain and everything was full, but I, you know, I, I did carve out time. I, I scheduled myself weekly to work on this project and I just, um, I, I was literally obsessed with it. So, and of course, like every patient interaction I had further emphasized to me how important this problem was, you know, every time you tell a patient, you have got disease, every time you tell a patient, like, oh, you have a cavity in between these teeth, it's like, ah, oh, this flossing problem, it's back, it's here again. And it's, it's just so pervasive. So, um, but you know, the real secret ingredient for me, um, was my sister, Catherine, she is my co-founder and, um, it was just the time around that time, my sister had decided she didn't want to work for anyone else. She had kind of uh, made up her mind that she wanted to start her own company and she is an artist at heart. And so she wanted to, her goal was to, um, create a business and her mission was to help artists. Actually, she wanted to, uh, create a marketplace for people to, by commissioned art and she quit her job and started this company and almost a year into it, uh, she realized how hard that was. And I think that as much as we all love art, a lot of people just weren't willing to pay for it. And so that's when you know my sister was in this perfect place cause she was kind of um, getting discouraged about her own startup idea but she didn't want to go back to what she was doing before. And so that's when I kind of lured her into dentistry. (laughs) And I was like, Catherine, please help me with this floss problem. Um, And of course, you know, coming from art and coming from technology, she was, you know, by no means interested in oral care, let alone floss, because she wasn't a flosser herself. But I, you know, I really forced her to take a good look at this problem. And then and that's when she started having conversations with her own friends about their teeth and about flossing. And then she realized like, you know what, Crystal, you're onto something, this is such a universal problem. You know, usually, you know, talking about teeth isn't, you know, and among us, of course, we're dentists so we talk teeth all the time, but for everyone else, they're not really proud to talk about you know, their gum surgery, or they're not proud to talk about that root canal they had. But when she started asking her friends about it, she realized like, shoot, my friends, are in their twenties and they're already having to endure all these uncomfortable procedures. Like, I can't believe they've had to go through all of this. Like I never knew. And you're right, Crystal, like everyone's getting cavities still. Like, how is it that no one's figured this out yet? So that's when we, you know, we had enough like activation energy to get cocoa floss off the ground. And that was in late 2014.
2: Okay. So you, like the secret ingredient is to bring in a creative mind from outside and to have that teamwork, because as Priyanka and I have learned is we are going so much further together than alone. And I love how you use that term activation energy, because you're right. You do have to have enough built up to, to get over that first hump and to really get the ball moving, um, because, or get the ball rolling because, Um, it it can take a lot and I have so many ideas up in my head and I know all of our listeners are all in the same boat, right? We all have this like passion project or this idea that we've been thinking about for years and years. And it's that question of what's the next step? How do I, how do I get over that hump? How do I have enough activation energy? And I love that to, you know, if this problem has been so pervasive for so long, how has no one found a solution? It's because we're thinking of, of it from a dentist mind, and so mm-hmm. Catherine has this ability now to to see the problem from an outside perspective. And um, I think that probably goes a lot to to the the mission and the vision and the branding behind Coco Floss. So, I mean, when I see it as an outside perspective, I see it. It's such a beautiful, like perfectly curated, um, so appealing. And and I'm sure that was the main goal with when you were creating it. So um, I don't know if I have a question in there. I'm just in awe with how you how you went about this.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we, we saw Cocoa Foss as an opportunity to, well, for me, my, my goal is to help people keep their teeth for life. For Catherine, um, she sees it as an opportunity to bring art into people's every day. So why not make everyday experiences, the, the otherwise mundane experiences or the chores, why not make them beautiful and delightful? So that's where all the colors come in. That's where the art comes in. And we just love that. Now with cocoa Floss, we're able to hire those artists that we were, that Catherine was trying to support to begin with. We're able to hire them to work on uh, making coca Floss beautiful. And we're, you know, now people can proudly display Coca Floss on their bathroom counter. It's not something that they're hiding in the, in the darkest, deepest drawer anymore. It's something that they're putting out on the counter and they're they're proud to show off to others. In fact, people are even Instagramming their Floss. Of course mm-hmm. Instagram wasn't around when we started when I first started. Or maybe it was, but I wasn't using it. But you know, now it's become um you know something that people are are willing to to share.
2: Yeah. And it makes me think about, you know, self-care has become such a buzzword over the last few years and like these 20 steps skincare routines and I even reflected myself like I spend way more time and effort taking care of my skin than my teeth and I'm a dentist and so if I'm thinking of the average patient or the average person um why can't we you know how did skincare make that shift is they made it like very appealing and like a trendy thing. I, you know, want, I'm curious about your skincare routine. And so, you know, we talk about it. And so now you've done that with oral health and it's become a self-care thing. It's a treat to yourself. It's, you know, you are, um, you're taking care of yourself, and you're. I want to share my oral health with my routine with you, and and whatnot. So I think that's that's brilliant how you um, shifted the mindset from like having to take care of your teeth to having the opportunity to to being able to, and it's like a privilege to be able to use this delicious floss. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: it's amazing. Like we we are proud, I guess, sellers of Cocoa Floss ourselves. Like we love the product, and. Um, I had a patient actually like two days ago and he was like dr patel i have to tell you something i'm like well he's like i went on coco floss's website and i bought a bunch of coco floss and i was like great i'm so proud of you you know like i mean this is one of those things that we were we've been trying for like four years to get this person on board for right yeah and it just goes to show like the real life application you know and i was like uh, we had it was a whole conversation about he tried all the different he did a sampler pack he tried all the different types of scents and (laughs) etc and it's one of those things that was just you were, you know, you've, you've been able to create a product that's brought joy. And like you said, like remove that mundane nature of flossing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I think is so important, you know, and fill that gap, that void that, um, you know, that so many people, even ourselves, I think as dentists have sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like it just, it's, it definitely makes it more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah, it feels really great that patients tell me that they're flossing now, you know, the ones who you think like, oh, there's no way. I mean, you want them to floss, but you feel like you're talking to them and it's going in one ear and out the other. But yeah, ever since cocoa floss, I, I feel like I've actually been able to help make an impact in these people's health because, you know, they, they come back and they're actually, you know, they're surprised to tell me. They're like, they're like they're even they're shocked in themselves. They think they, they didn't they surprise themselves by saying, like, wow, I'm actually flossing now. I never thought I could this habit
1: but here i am doing it you know a lot of our listeners um like shivani mentioned you know they have these passion projects they're interested in starting to develop things outside of the traditional clinical world how have you juggled both of these things you know are you still working full-time and doing this do you feel like the key is not doing both full-time or i guess what has been really your recipe for success to you know to build such an amazing brand and also obviously do very well as a practice owner in a competitive environment like the Bay Area.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, it definitely helps that I'm a practice owner because um, I'm able to schedule in whatever it is I want to schedule. So um, for example, for a long time, the way I was, um, the way I designed my schedule is I was doing clinical dentistry three days a week and then Coco Foss two days a week. And of course there are like all these dental meetings that we have to attend. Um, And so again, being a practice owner, it's, it's totally okay for me to just block off my schedule. It's like, there's no one to answer to about my having to, you know, be in Chicago for the midwinter dental meeting, for example. Um, so that helped. And I think it also helps to just be super passionate and obsessed with whatever it is you're working on, because, I mean, to be honest, I'm having fun no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm in the dental office or if I'm working on Coco Floss, I'm having a blast. So nothing feels like a chore. It's really fun. So definitely, of course, is really important. Um, and it's just like meticulous scheduling nowadays um, post. So I had a baby last year and um, that also, you know, that completely turned everything upside down. My schedule that felt like it made so much sense before um, it, you know, became a big mess. But now I just, um, my, my, my week, every week looks different for me. Um, it's kind of like a jumbled up mess, but I'm just like, meticulous about my scheduling. I, I call it kind of color code everything just for my brain to like, know, when I look at my calendar, you know, I have colors for like when I work on cocoa floss versus when I'm working in dentistry. So that kind of helps me. Um, yeah, it, I, I set up a calendly for my dental practice to schedule patients with me. Um, so it's kind of insane, but kind of fun. <laughs> it
2: works. That's awesome um, to hear the real life perspective, too, of that. After you became a mother, you your life is kind of at... <laughs> at the baby's, um, you know, schedule. So it's your life is turned upside down and I'm sure Priyanka can relate as well. Um, so, and that's good for me as, as someone I one day hope to be a mother to, to just know that, um, probably was key for you to start this business before becoming a mother and not that it would be impossible after, but to have, you're right, that, that passion and to have the structure set um, and to have, have it be playful and fun. It's something that you want to spend your time doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely find I'm, I started recently working with a business coach um, to help, you know, take some of all these ideas I have in my brain and make them into, into reality. And, And I have to thank Priyanka for pushing me to do that because, or talking about her experience, because for me, it's, was the struggle of, um, you know, I, I want to work so hard to get something done. And then I take all the fun out of it and Mm. I'm losing, um, I'm losing like kind of touch of why I wanted to, like, for me, I'm so passionate about Bringing more yoga and mindfulness to dentists. I think it's mm-hmm. so important that we have to take care of ourselves to take Absolutely. care of patients. And so, um, if I keep coming back to that core vision and that mission statement, um, it'll, you know, I actually have written on a sticky note on my bathroom mirror, <laughs> um, that has been really helpful for me to stay grounded in this, in this idea that, um, I'm doing this because I'm passionate about it and it's something I love. But if I get too stuck up in the weeds of um have to like do x y z by this date and that date and um you know I need to talking about like finances and stuff like that it takes the fun out of it for me. So working with a business coach has been really helpful um to just see the structure from a bird's eye view and then be working one step at a time, right? That you know the saying, how do you an elephant one bite at a time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so I don't know, I guess my question then off of that is, do you have advice, um, for how you structured your business? How did you, did you, um, and maybe it's growing as well as the business is growing. Um, do you have a mission statement? Do you, how do you calibrate with, um, with your sister to make sure you're on the same page? How do you stay focused, um, and also allow room for play and for growth and for the fun stuff?
0: Yeah, that's something that you know we keep honing and evolving. But um, for me, you know, actually continuing to practice dentistry keeps me grounded in the problem. Every time I, you know, like every time I work on a tooth that's just a little bit harder than the average one, I'm like, shoot, this is still such a problem, and this is exactly why we're doing this, you know. Um, Or every time I meet a patient, you know, who's just frustrated by the fact that they've been diagnosed with cavities, like every two years of their life, you know, that's like, okay, this is why we're doing this. Um, and I, I guess, um, so we, I mean, we just schedule it. This goes goes back to scheduling. We, we schedule like quarterly, um, you know, like goals, like planning. Um, and we also schedule like monthly, like town halls with everyone at Cocoa Floss, for example, keeping everyone grounded in the, the vision, the goals and, um, Helping us see everything that we've accomplished so far. Um, So, I think that, and all of that actually carries really well into the dental practice, too. Um, Setting goals, keeping everyone, you know, eye on the target or whatever it is that we're trying to do, and also celebrating the wins and discussing the failures. Um, Those are all really important um, things to do with the dental team. I mean, it's all, it's, it's, of course, it's not the same, but it's very similar. I am always learning, you know, things in the dental practice and I bring it back to cocoa Floss. And I, I learned things that like cocoa Floss, and I bring it back to the dental
1: practice. What's one of the things that you have learned it should, because you brought up both situations. What's one of the things that, um, that stick out in your mind that you've learned from Coco Floss that you brought to dental practice and then vice versa.
0: Yeah. So at the dental practice, I think the most important part of the day is the daily huddle, the morning huddle. Um, it's when we, the, the whole team gets together. We look at the schedule. We talk about like if today's Monday, we look at next Monday, we look at today and we look at last Friday and see what happened last Friday. Is there anything up to follow up on? Um, and so that's because of that morning huddle. That's why at Coca Cola we created this weekly sync with the, the whole team too. Um, we have the, yeah, everybody at the company basically hops on for like a 15 minute call just to sync up and of course, every week will be different, like things we talk about, but, um, it just really helps to get everyone grounded. So that's important. And then from cocoa Floss, just really keeping an eye on the vision and why we're doing this. That's really important. Um, and so I'm always reminded at Coco Floss, okay, I need to bring this back to the dental practice because sometimes in the dental practice, we get so tied up with like whatever insurance doesn't pick up the phone or whatever patient that's always late or, you know, um, you know, there's just so many little things that you can get caught up on at the dental practice, but it's like, "Okay, well, why are we doing this?" And um let's again celebrate the wins and, you know, um dentistry is so rewarding in that way. It's it's so much fun um when you see the big picture. But of course, it, you know, sometimes it'll just be like that impression that you just can't get right. That'll just like feel like it ruins your afternoon, you know. It's like, "Why can't I get that margin?" And how many times do I have to pack that cord? But um when you look at the big picture, it's like, "We're really helping people." So I guess that's the other thing, keeping an eye on the big picture. Dentistry, you know, we're so accustomed to working in microns. Um, It's good to look at the big picture.
2: That's so key. And what I hear you saying is everything that you do is so intentional. um, And that you, to me, it sounds like you're living your purpose and you are so fulfilled with what, like, just looking at the joy as you're speaking about both of your all parts of your life and how they've come together. Um, it's beautiful to see someone who is truly living their purpose of you're able to use your passions, your skills, and you're serving others around you and you have a greater, you know, there, there is something greater that you're giving. Um, and it's not just, and you know, purposeful living isn't just, um, actually starting a company you know you can live purposefully. even at myself as an associate dentist if I can mm-hmm. be intentional the same way that you are and seeing um that you know I'm not just doing class two fillings all day I'm healing patients like mm-hmm. right it's like reframing the thoughts and so like I love that you are so intentional about taking that step back and, and looking at it it's that's great mindset. I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I see every patient experience as an opportunity, um, no matter what it is. Even if it's just a quick consult, or if it's like a you know quadrant of work. Like no matter how much time you spend with the patient, it's an opportunity to change someone's mind about dentistry. You know, like it could actually. I mean, of course, dentistry is really hard, um, and it's not always comfortable or pleasant. But um, you know, if we can provide a great experience for the patient you know, all things considered, then you could help shift a patient's mindset on teeth and health in general. And that will hopefully propel them into a future with fewer dental problems.
1: I mean, I think this is even a whole theme of mindset is kind of really setting in as Shivani was kind of talking about that. It's from whether you, I think, have intentionally realized that or not, even just how you approached, how you established your dental practice to how You envisioned, you know, this product, you created a lot of fluidity in the way you did it. And yes, I know you mentioned that, yes, you follow a schedule, but, you know, something at least about being a mom, like they, you know, one of the people always say like, oh, you create a routine, not a schedule. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so key too. You know, um, we get so obsessed by like, oh, this patient is X amount of minutes late. So then this is how it's going to affect my day or I'm running behind or, I, for Shivani, like you mentioned, you have deadlines that you want to create. like I didn't achieve it by this particular deadline. And in reality, I think if we start to work on creating a routine or creating gentle goals, you know about when we're gonna we plan on achieving something, then it continues to bring that fun, you know, the fun back into it. and getting back to being grounded on why what why we're doing dentistry why we have built this side hustle, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? And I think that it just becomes so much more fulfilling.
0: 100%. Yeah. I'm all about the why that's, you know, always, um, like planning what you're doing, even if, whether it's for the day the week or your life, um, trying to understand why and just going for that. And that's how I, um, I, I try to focus my patient education on why also, Um, that's a really common question I ask my patients actually, like, do you know why you got that cavity? (laughs) It's amazing how few people actually know why. But when you start to pick apart why, um, you learn so much from it. And it helps, um, yeah, it helps whatever it is you're doing. It helps motivate your patient. It helps you schedule your week. It helps you feel good about what you're doing. It helps you um, set your goals.
2: I love that. It's all about the why. That's the title of this <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I have two questions for you. Um, what are some daily practices that you do? I know you talked about scheduling and just being organized to, you know, create time to check in with yourself. Um, but what other daily routines like morning ritual things that you do that have been really helpful for you um like journaling or meditation anything like that and then do you have resources that helped you along the way um like books or podcasts that really helped you uh you know dig into the why the purpose the the vision that you've created
1: or even like shawati mentioned like a coach did you even use yeah did you explore having a coach? Hmm.
0: Well, okay. So daily practices. I'll be honest. Ever since I had a baby, things <laughs> again turned upside down. Um, I pre pre baby. Um, I was really proud of the fact that I carved out time to work out in the morning. I did it before I went to the dental practice, and I just that for me felt so good that I took care of myself before I went to go take care of all my patients. It felt like good that I had that. Um, already done. And of course, dentistry is like a super physical career and it's very hard on your body. Um, I think all of us might have like a neck or shoulder problem, like right now, as we're speaking. Um, but I, I f- it felt good that like, okay, at least I took out like whatever, whatever it was like 45 minutes to take care of myself first. Um, and also it, it also helped me as a leader at the practice to be able to remind my team, like, you know, during the huddle, I'd be like, okay guys, like, let's like stretch this right now. And don't forget, like you need to, um, get up and, you know, stand for a little bit, whatever it is they need to do, um, to help them with that. Um, I guess post baby, um, <laughs> I, I I'm still breastfeeding. So, um, my favorite time of day right now is, is actually just breastfeeding my baby in the morning. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound graphic, but
2: no, it, I mean, I can imagine <laughs> that it's very meditative or it's like yeah. you know, quiet time and there's a lot of connection, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're connecting with your baby on such a deep level. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I used to think about those four AM feeds. Like, and initially I was like, oh, I'm tired, but I've now really like, as she's grown it's all, we've done the dance and we're figuring each other out. It really is my It's like one of these times of like, ah, oh. I just felt really relaxed. So I can understand yeah. how, and I've taken the time, actually it's my quiet time mm-hmm. in the morning. And I, I, so I can understand how that's kind of, you know, become a important start to your day. Yeah. How it, it is kind of you time, you know, it's you mm-hmm. guys together, but it is you time.
0: Yeah. Um, and the other, I guess, the other practice that I think that's carried through, like, you know, in my life pre and post baby is a practice of gratitude. And so, of course, like that morning feed time has become my very active gratitude time because I you know it's it's very fulfilling to spend time with her. Um, but just generally um, practicing gratitude, um, it just I don't know it feels so good to just you know look around and um, admire all the things around you that you could be grateful for. And they could be super simple, like the warmth of the sun on your face. Or the fact that when you turn the faucet handle, the water comes out. They could be really simple. It could be, um, you know, the jam that you bought from the um, grocery store because it's so good. Anything really small, but um, it just makes life really um, enjoyable.
2: Mm-hmm. Gratitude is such a key tool in staying in the present moment. I love that, and and it's a practice I I, I do a lot to journal. Um, mm-hmm. to write down things that I'm grateful for, but I'm learning and realizing, and maybe this is more of what you do is just feeling the gratitude of, of, really embracing it in that present moment. And throughout the day, you know, maybe just writing down five things for a couple minutes in the morning, but how can I now ex- expand that throughout my day? So how do you physically go about practicing gratitude? Do you, do you write? Do you think, um, is it sprinkled throughout your day? Um,
0: yeah, I think it's it's more so sprinkled throughout my day. Um I, I I it'd actually be so cool if I had a notebook and pen with me all the time, but I don't. Whenever I do, I'm always scribbling something. <laughs> but um it is sprinkled throughout my day. I think it's it actually comes from I did some like pretty I, I did some like volunteer work doing dentistry actually, but in really, really rural places uh where people, you know, just didn't I mean there was no running water and like people didn't have shoes on their feet. And so I think something about that experience just made me so grateful about everything. So I'm just like, even just pulling up a cover over myself at night, like I just feel really grateful for that blanket that I can hide under to sleep in. Um, yeah, I, it, it's just throughout my day. And it's, um,
2: it feels really good. That's great perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And then, um yeah, I guess that last question I had asked about you resources so what were the things that have been most impactful for you to grow as a person an owner a mother all of those uh, uh, yeah as a whole human <laughs> <laughs>
0: um I mean definitely of course like friends and family have been so supportive through all of my journeys from building the practice to now into building cocoa floss um so that's been you know I'm I'm so blessed to be supportive so supported by friends and family. Um, but I did actually um, hire a business consultant as well a couple of years ago. It was that it was that year that I thought I was losing my practice and I thought I might still have to sell my charts. <laughs> um, it was kind of like a wild thought. I was like, what do I do if I don't have a practice to move into? So um, that's when I, um, in a panic, I, I called a friend who had a dental consultant and um, it this dental consultant actually helped me just break down um, like how I'm going to get myself out of this problem. And he's actually been working with us ever since at the practice. And that's really helped, especially through childbirth and having to take time away from the practice. Um, having, um, an an additional person kind of looking at the practice from a business perspective to make sure we're still, you know, we're still doing what we're supposed to be doing, um, especially through COVID. So that helped. And, um, this consultant, I mean, he's kind of unique because he does a little, I mean, he's mostly a dental consultant, but he does like kind of spill over into a little bit of personal stuff. Um, I mean, I guess all of us as practice owners and as dentists, um, you know, we're also, we're whole people, we're not just one thing. So um, the type of consultant he does feels pretty um, well-rounded and comprehensive and it starts with like a, a personality test. Um, so yeah, that's been tremendously helpful.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I also kind of got an entrepreneur coach, you know, when I opened up my practice and I feel that it was so important because like you said, we are whole people, you know, there's all different parts of us and Mm -hmm. you don't want to necessarily lose one part of yourself to fulfill another part of, you know, yourself. Like, for example, you don't want to lose who you are going back to being grounded just to be this particular type of, you know, business owner or own this dental practice because then ultimately you're losing, if you're losing who you are, then you're losing your vision, right? Of what you see. And the same thing, I guess applies, not I guess, the same thing kind of applies to Cocoa Floss too, right? If you're, if you don't keep circling back to the reasons that you did it and this kind of business consulting, a lot of the times they can help you, they'll re-remind you, you know, like, okay, this is why you did it. This is what's going on. Like, don't forget, this is who you are. and why you're doing what you're doing because it's so easy to get lost in all of the noise mm-hmm. you know and for you the successes of Coca floss you know like you know you're you're everywhere now and it's easy to to forget why you did it and I think a lot of it comes a lot of growth happens from like reminding yourself of why you started to begin it, like why you started this to begin Um, yeah, awesome. And so like, do you have any, so my biggest question actually is, because we have a lot of listeners that are interested in side hustles and doing that, what advice do you have, you know, um, for them, whether it's like, how you got the courage to start it and, um, or even just where you are now, you know, looking back, what was a piece of advice that you wish you got as you were developing this?
0: Well, um, I guess one, um, and this is something I'm still working on, um, but try not to feel too guilty. I feel like sometimes I feel overburdened with guilt. Um, but if you, again, if you, you know, have that vision, have that purpose, um, in whatever endeavor you are pursuing, um, just let that drive you forward and try not to get too caught up in the guilt. Um, that, yeah, so again, I'm still working on that. There are times that I just felt guilty for working on cocoa floss and the dental practice needs me or vice versa. Um, And it doesn't really get you anywhere. So try to like not waste the energy doing that. So the the other advice I have is, um, you know, as dentists, I think that a lot of us are perfectionists. That's just the nature of what we do. That's how we were trained. And that's kind of also what drew us to dentistry, probably a little bit of perfectionism. And in entrepreneurship and starting something new, you can't, um, nothing's going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. And sometimes, um, I mean, this is still still something I get caught up in with, but perfection can be paralyzing. So perfectionism can be paralyzing. So um, just, you know, it's okay to try and make mistakes. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Um, I hear a lot of people, you know, ask me for advice now that I've started cocoa Floss. Um, they asked me for advice on starting a business or creating something. And they're so concerned about like, well, what if it fails or what if nobody likes it? Um, but, but that's totally okay. <laughs> it's okay to just try and make mistakes and, and, um, and you learn from it. So, um, yeah, just go for it.
2: Yeah, that's a good anchor to keep in mind. And we've said that in previous episodes as well. I think it was Sonia's episode where we talked about, um, just put it out as a B plus, like don't let Mm -hmm. perfect be the enemy of good. And to, um, to, you know, that's it. I've heard it said, like, if you're not a little bit embarrassed of your first iteration, then you probably didn't start soon enough. (laughs) So, um, so I think, yeah, just kind of, it's okay if it's messy and that's where like the magic happens is in the mess and to, to take that, that leap of faith. And, um, yeah, that's great advice. And I, I can imagine it's, I, it's something I try to practice and it's, it's always a work in progress to, to not feel guilty and to not get, um, paralyzed by that perfectionism. I love how you phrase that. It's it's a really great um expression. And I think so many dentists you're right feel that because we are innately drawn to this field in, mm-hmm. you know, for the for the, how detailed it is. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, clinical work is <laughs> yeah <laughs> is a test of it for sure. So to to start a side hustle, to put yourself out there it takes a lot of courage. It's great advice for starters. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And whatever you're building, just, um, you know, again, that B plus is exactly great. Just put out that B plus because then at least you're being authentic. And I think that nowadays people, you know, they really value and want to see that authenticity.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that even applies to, you know, our dental practices as well, or even how we practice, you know, our interactions with our patients, you know, they're, Yes, we present ourselves in a certain way, but you know, people really appreciate when they learn about our lives and the authenticity of just you know who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. And you know, when I establish my practice, everyone, I I call it a modern neighborhood practice or dentist practice, dental office because the reason being is that I, for me, I want to create warmth. You know, I don't want the sterility that sometimes clinics are associated with and that's how i've created my vision and remaining true to that and being authentic you know like i that's so i think that that's really what drives these relationships forward you know whether it's with your patients with your team if your team is even seeing that you're really authentic mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a team in your clinic or whether it's the team that you're working with, for with like coco floss or your site hustle Um, or even honestly the team that you're having with yourself, you know, like, you know, it's just making sure that you're always truly authentic. And,
2: and as we talked about before, grounded.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like I, you know, as you were saying that I just like had flashbacks to like the the times when I felt like I made mistakes in dentistry or like you do a case and you just didn't feel good about it and you didn't like it. Um, but usually what I would do is, you know, I would like, just be honest with the patient, tell them like. I feel like I could have done that crown better. And I know that was uncomfortable and I know it's like your time, but um, allow me to do it again. (laughs) And amazingly, like you'd think like, oh, I'm gonna lose this patient or I'm gonna get a bad Yelp review, but actually patients, they really appreciate it. So even if that means they have to redo an uncomfortable procedure, they really love that you're honest with them and you're willing to make it right.
2: Absolutely, yes that truth is so, you know, speaking your truth, especially to patients. I've seen so much value in that. Um, I, I have one last question for you of what's next for Cocoa floss. What's next for your business, um, your dental practice and Cocoa floss, and where can listeners find you, follow you and stay in touch?
0: Uh, well, you guys asked this question at at a great time because I am so excited about, um, we have a new product to get Cocoa floss. Finally, we, we started it five, six years ago and, um, we've just been in dental floss, but, um, I kind of ran into a similar thing with toothbrushes. I realized that there wasn't one toothbrush I loved. There were a few that I liked. There wasn't one that I loved. And so, um, we're coming out with our first toothbrush this, the summer. And, um, I'm really proud of it because it is made with 100% recycled ocean waste plastic. So, um, it's um, oh, helping to okay. create a market for recycled plastic. It's, it's a big problem, as you guys know. Um, and so that's one thing. But the other part about it is that it works so well. So it's really comfortable and soft to use. I can't wait to give you guys one, by the way. And um, yeah, it, we had it tested at a university and it's 17 times more effective at cleaning interdental spaces than a standard toothbrush, which I was kind of blown away by. I knew it would be good. I didn't know oh, it was going to be that good. Fine. So Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, So that'll be coming out this summer. Um, We're also really proud of the fact that cocoa floss is now made with recycled water bottles. So um, there's this, um, they collect PET bottles uh, and they recycle them into polyester. So we're able to um, feel a little bit better about um, what we're doing. Cause um, you know, I I don't love the the fact that floss, you know, the actual floss is single use and that it's plastic, but um, At least it's made with recycled plastic now, so that is um, coming. That's already here this year. Um, And for the dental practice, um, you know, one of the kind of the neat things about um, going on a sort of a maternity leave was the fact that I um, forced myself to hire an associate, and actually, I'm loving it. I I just think that you know, it's it's a wonderful compliment to. She's a wonderful compliment to the practice. it's amazing that she loves to do things that I'm not as interested in. And, um, so, you know, we all work great together. The patients are liking her. And, um, so I think that if I didn't have the baby, I probably wouldn't have hired her. Um, but you know, she's, she's here and she's, um, she likes working with us and it's, um, it's great. We're going to keep her. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's, um, what's going on at my dental practice. And, um, Yeah, to keep in touch, um, check out cocofloss.com on Instagram. We are called at getcocofloss. And um, yeah, my dental practice is Young Dental Group. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. And, um, you know, I love meeting other dentists. So feel free to give a call or just drop by and visit um, anytime. I'm always um, happy to meet others that are interested in the same
1: things. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Crystal, for taking the time to hang out with us today. And, you know, especially for someone like yourself who's doing so many things, we really appreciate it. And um, everybody check out Cocoa Floss because it's amazing. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you.